Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again by my friend, co-host, Cloud in the Wind, a glowing saber-wielding leper ghost and co-host, Alex Dandino. That was a lot of monikers I hung upon you. You did. I mean, it's no different than whatever, the rest of my life. The priest carrying the golden uh, cross. That's what I just did to you with names and monikers. <laughs> All right, guys. If you're with us, we hope you're enjoying yourself. As always, if you would be so kind, please take a second. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. It does help us out enormously, uh, enormously, and we appreciate those of you that have been doing that. Thank you very much. You can see the faces that make these voices on our YouTube channel. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural with an S at the end. Uh, yep. We do trailer reactions. We have our podcast. We have some new uh, content that's going to be going up over there. Uh, so make Hopefully sure you subscribe there. Share with your friends. Hopefully you're checking this one out on oh, YouTube because Griff's got this whole over-the-top look going on. It is tasty, let me just tell you. I mean, we have like a whole show to do, and the <laughs> amount that I am fed up with the jokes about my hangover tank top is enormous. Like, this is you made fun of my hangover tank top so many times tonight that I want Twice. to become a cloud, Twice, by the way. knock on Twice. your door, and have at you. I want to have at you. Right? You're just going to hear a, and you're going to open the door, and I'm going to fucking fish hook you. Twice. Twice, by the way, everyone. Twice. I think okay, you look we, great. That's fine. You can keep saying the number. We found the threshold, too. That's it. I'm sorry, Carrie from Sex and the City, that I'm not a fashion icon like you. Now you derailed oh, yeah. my fancy intro. I didn't even tell them to follow us on social media, because now we sound like a catty married couple. Also, you can email the show at filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yes, I'm wearing a tank top. Fuck you, Alex. All right. Uh, so go ahead, dickhead. Start talking about The Fog by John Carpenter. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I This is crazy. And, again, I don't think – how many shows have we done? Almost 200? Have we done over 200? We're closing in on 200 now. With our October shows we've started, I think we're over 200 now. I'm almost positive I have never seen The Fog, which is shocking to me. Never? I think I've seen the remake, but never saw the original. Well, it has Tom Welling in it. He's a very handsome guy. Well, there is that, you know. But again, I I still, like, I always used, and it wasn't even like, oh, I've seen the remake. I always think I've seen The Fog, and then I watched it, and I was like, nope, never seen this movie, like, at all. (laughs) <laughs> because I totally would have remembered a guy with gouged out eyeballs being fl- like falling through, uh, falling onto Jamie Lee Curtis. Never seen it. Yes. Uh, it's weird. I love this movie. I was telling you that this is kind of like the sweet spot, but forgotten spot for John Carpenter uh, are the two movies we're finishing the month with the fog and Christine. Um, I think both of them just show an absolute master's touch at horror. Uh, and they're both really different, right? But they're, Christine is kind of this, like, you know, in-your-face attack on symbolisms and whatever. This one is just an old-school ghost story, right? It's this yeah. – it, it actually starts off in a really fun way, which is just this – it's actually – it makes you scared the whole film because it's just this old salty dog, right, sitting on a log by a fire like, 
hey, children, you're about to get murdered by midnight. And you're like, yes. why did 20 people decide their children can sit in a log with this guy at midnight? This guy feels like he kidnapped these children. Yeah. And it's yeah, a horrific definitely. way to start the film. So you're, you're first, you're like, wow, that is a rough ghost story. And then when the camera pans and you see like these 10 little cherubic faces, you're like, good Lord, someone <laughs> get a school bus over there and get these kids to safety. Uh, you actually think you're like, is that guy's name just the fog? Is this the movie we're doing? But uh, so right away, it starts you off. <laughs> My name's Mr. Fog and I have a canoe made of children. It's like, oh, God, that could be the that could have been this movie in another world. But uh, I actually just love that it is this. What What is fun, though, is it, it plays with this a little bit, too, with Tom Atkins character, where is this. This thing where it feels like everyone who is a sailor and spends time on the ocean has kind of their superstitions and ghost stories. Yeah. And that becomes really fun, right? Because as you're watching it, they do a good job. They don't spend a lot of time in the ocean in this one, right? Most of the stuff is in town. But yeah. it is just this barrier, right? So what it feels like is very much like when we watch Mouth of Madness and Sam Neill rips open the wall of reality and all we see are these pages, right? That's kind of how the ocean feels in this is here's this town. Here's this idyllic beach town that you think you created right there. Right. They do a lot of those great coastline shots, but they never look welcoming. They never look fun. It's always kind of cold and scary right yeah. there. Right. Is a giant thing that you don't understand and will kill you. And there's ghosts at the bottom of that. And they can just fucking walk into your town, man. And so I love the setting for this. And uh, yeah, for me, everything here works. And again, it's just some of it's Carpenter doing some of his most slick and subtle horror work, I think. Yeah, I mean, again, it's you're right. I mean, for being a straightforward ghost story, which really is what it is, it's a little different than I think I've seen them. I mean, we've watched John Carpenter do a lot of different kinds of movies, but this is really fascinating because being a ghost story, it is very much not like. Big Trouble in Little China is this weird mystic story, but it's based in the reality that Jack Burton is like the world's worst tough guy. And then, you know, <laughs> Halloween is really Halloween is, uh, you know, Michael Myers is this sort of unstoppable force, but still based in reality. This is the first time we've really seen. I mean, it's the first time I mean, this month we've seen John Carpenter tackle something that's like completely otherworldly. Because it and like has no basis in reality other than like, oh, the water and these salty dogs and all that kind of stuff. But in general, it's just it's it's just ghosts. Like it has no like I mean, there's a story behind it and everything like that. There's always a story behind these tragic ghosts, but at the same time, like there's nothing that grounds it to like anything science fictiony. This is straight up ghost. Which is really fascinating because yeah. he does such a good job of scaring the shit out of us because of that yeah and that's that's the thing that i took away is it's like this really is a very creepy film right but what i like is to your point i think it plays a little bit like halloween but michael myers walks around right what this yeah. movie does it is the ghost but they root it to this really classic you know kind of america trying to take something and you know develop itself right this conquering of the west idea right and the backstory of this is actually one of my favorite parts. It's a great classic, awesome. you know, uh, totally. betrayal story, right? So this this boat of people with leprosy roll up, and they're 
they try to make a deal with the priest because if you can't trust a priest, right? Little <laughs> did we fucking know. God knows what else is buried in the walls of that church. Mr. Fogg's over here in his fucking canoe. The church is just <laughs> caving in with all the dead bodies. Anyways, but <laughs> so they try to make a deal with the priest. The priest goes to the other town elders and he's like, hey, we suck. Our town is garbage. Uh, maybe we can betray them and steal all their shit. And right. then we'll use this uh, St. Elmo's fire tactic of luring them to safety, but they'll crash on the rocks. It's a really awesome story because these people with leprosy are looked at as monsters, right? And it's this great callback, too, because as we see the ghosts, they're always these shadowy, faceless, rotting figures. Yeah. And it's not just because they're under the water all this time. It's because that's how these people saw them. They were faceless, right. rotting monsters that, of course, we can betray them and steal their shit. They don't deserve to live on this fucking coastline with us and it was really it was really it did have a funny moment too where uh at the town meeting right they had like the worst town celebration where it's just people cold and smoking in a bleacher uh while this lady who looks like she's an extra on golden girls like berates them about we must do more we must keep their spirits alive yes yes and uh the sheriff's like yeah man i think people should go home it seems like things aren't good right obviously and the lady's like if we just wait a couple more minutes, they can see our statue. And I was like, oh, my God, John Carpenter for, foretold of the whites and their statues all those years ago. They, the old whites just love statues to people that don't deserve statues. Right? And I was like, this is a perfect 2020 movie. <laughs> the COVID fog's rolling in. <laughs> it really, I was like, this movie has gained new life to me. Yeah, wow, that is a... Oof. That is an unfortunate read for sure, but also quite true. Quite, quite, quite apt. I'm just saying the priest is like, hey, all of our relatives are uh, murderers, liars, cheats. And she's like, the statue's going up. The people need something to look at with my grandpappy's name on it or whatever. Fuck. God, that is so haunting now that I realize it. Jesus Christ. That is truly. Right. Yeah, that is a, that a is foresight. a foresight from john carpenter that is a solid that is a solid forecasting by john carpenter there jesus yeah right. i don't know um he knew it's again it, it does such a good job like the creep factor is what is something that john carpenter is just so good at like you're right yeah it does have that halloween vibe but i think with the ethereal with the ethereal thing about ghosts and then on top of that just the unrelenting ability that it's fog like it's just like you know mm -hmm. you walk outside in a fog you're like oh it's fog there's nothing to it but when there's something so innocuous and so harmless like fog that is truly terrifying that is that is yeah. john carpenter doing magic right there like that is john carpenter realizing that like yeah. it's the upping the ante from michael myers who's just a guy walking around it's upping the ante to oh shit like you're not going to be able to like fog slips through everything. Air slips through everything. It's as yeah. seamless as air. So how do you prevent it? You can't again. Well, like it's especially in this town perfect. where every white person's like, hmm, there's a strange mist. Who's knocking on my door at one in the morning? Let me open the fucking door. Yeah. And you're like, I got Stop it. it. Yeah, the weatherman, the old level lady. Of, it's like, <laughs> yeah, there is a level just of open like, the door true with stupidity. no weaponry. Yeah, the um, yeah. Adrian Barbo's nanny, uh, Mrs. Cobritz. We'll be fine. We've been fine. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Cobritz deserves everything that happens to her. Like, the little boy doesn't deserve anything. That uh, woman, though, totally deserved it. Absolutely. 
Sorry. Yeah, that absolutely was pretty, no remorse. I was like, what was your plan? She's like, well, first I'm going to walk out. I'll spot the intruder. I'm going to hit him with the flying knee that he won't expect. Dentures out. I'm going to bite his spinal with those with my right. You know, like she's setting up like Mortal Kombat fatalities. And instead she just goes, ah! She just gets dragged yeah, away. I, again, but, but, but to your point, though, that is actually the scene that it like really dawned on me, right? Because the famous scene yeah. where we first see the fog is the the boat landing, right? And that's an amazing scene. Yeah. But there's a Great moment uh, with the old lady and the kid that is so scary because it's just this lady. And we're almost watching from the mom's point of view from the lighthouse. So she's doing the radio like, Andy, get out of the house. Run. Helpless to save her kid, it seems. Right. Yeah. Cause that's like the worst nightmare. If she goes out. She's just going to die. So she's just kind of frozen in terror. And then we cut back to her and she's just like, I hope you understand, like maybe talking to her own son's ghost. Right. Which right. is brutal. But the scene is when the fog starts rolling up against the house. Right. And it just the way it rolls off that glass door is fucking beautiful. And then when we cut, they do these things that they he added a couple things to the ghost in this movie that made them very strange and different and unique to me. Right. So the way the fog fills up is beautiful and it gives you this. Now you're in an ethereal dream state, a nightmare state. Right. right? But the two, the three things he added right now that I think about it is one. These ghosts don't fuck around. Right. They might be ghosts, but they're still busting doors, chopping you up. This isn't like a we're going to haunt you. Oh, no. <laughs> No, no, they're not there to haunt. They're there to, they're not there to haunt. They're there to maim. Yeah. Right. So that's different. Uh, but then there's two other things that I think make them really interesting to me. And I, I was trying to figure out why I make this choice. The St. Elmo's fire, right? The light, like glowing light that for some reason, every old white person in the movie is like, oh, well, someone's glowing light. It must be okay to walk outside. Right. Which right. is a callback to what they did to them, the lepers and crash their boat on. But also, it's just like this weird distraction. You're like, why is that there? You know? Right. And then the other thing that I couldn't really, I was like, why that? Why do these ghosts knock? There is this moment of, we want you to feel absolute existential dread. Because these two things are happening that should not be. And there's right. a scene where Carpenter does that. And we just hear the. And we cut away. And the old lady and Andy. And she kind of pulls him in for an embrace. And they both have that, oh, fuck, something has changed shot. Yeah. And it's just this little push in. And I was like, that is John Carpenter absolutely understanding where the whore is, right? The whore yes. is not the monster pushing its hand through the window. It's that old lady realizing they are about to get fucking murdered. Yeah, totally. And it's I such mean, a great moment. I mean, it's exactly what makes John Carpenter so great about, so great with tension in general. Like, there's... Mm -hmm. Everything like I think about the thing, Halloween, all these movies where tension is so important, not the actual act of uh, kill, maim, whatever you would do, whatever the afterthought is, that's like the least important action. They, the, the, the lead up, the build is what makes it so terrifying. And so like that's what gives the impact afterwards. So to me and the like to me, the fog is a great example of why John Carpenter is so good at making these kinds of movies, because he understands that. And I love I love that. I love the, everything about that throughout the entire movie. Like you always knew too. like, I think that's the crazy thing. And that's the thing that I was so shocked by when I watched this was I knew I knew what was coming. And yet every time it was still, like there was still just like this sort of shock to it, like the fog rolls in. 
you're waiting for it to happen. It's not like it's not going to happen. Like, it's not like out of nowhere. They're the letting fog you know with be... lights and knocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, again, it, it's a knock on the fucking door. Like, it, there should be nothing about it that's surprising to me. Like, well, this is going to happen. And still, it's a visceral reaction, man. Like, that is that is true talent. That is truly one of those wonderful things that we get to watch and we get to witness when filmmakers are sitting there going, like, I'm going to give you all the breadcrumbs. But I'm not. I'm gonna give you all the breadcrumbs. I'm gonna tell you where everything's where everything's at, and you're still gonna get like you're still gonna. Get, I'm still gonna blow your hair back. That is, I mean, that's John Carpenter, you know. Yeah, well, like a great example of that is when the weirdest couple in a movie goes to save Andy. The I son, knew right? you were gonna say this. And they get him yeah. in the car, and there's just the car won't start. Right? It's such a classic and overused horror movie trope. Mm -hmm. But with John Carpenter, it works really, really well because we see now the fog in a predatory sense shifting direction. We start to see the shapeless masses of all these people and their various weapons. So while it is something that is played out and every time you see it, you just go, fuck, really? The car's stuck. The car won't start like fuck off. Right. I mean, when John Carpenter does it, he's using it to add some extra value on top of because this is the thing that I notice is not only do we just get to see these, you know, ghosts for the first time, they're not running and sprinting at that car. They're in absolutely no hurry to get to that truck and finish off Andy and these other people. Right. So then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, is this targeted? Is this different? Do they just know, Hey, your time's come. We'll get all you motherfucker. It, it, it starts adding all of this extra intrigue into what these creatures are. Right. Which is really awesome. So when she hits it in reverse, as you said, I knew that was happening. You knew that was happening. But it still is a tense moment. And you still right. get that rush like, oh, God. It feel like you're, you feel like you're pulled out of the fog and can breathe again. Right. No, it's totally. It's really incredible. I mean, I'd go back further than that. Like the scene where uh, the whole sequence where they go to the boat after uh, the night after the fog showed up already. Like the mm-hmm. constant the constant push that Carpenter's doing with the set pieces, like constantly like things are opening up, they're snapping open, like the jump scare. And it's such a great, I I loved that entire sequence because every time something happened and then finally when a gouged out eyeballed man falls forward onto Jamie Lee Curtis, I was not expecting it because he'd fucked with us the entire time. Like, and yeah. like it's innocuous stuff too. And even <laughs> I, again, I, I love the sequence because even Jamie Lee Curtis is pointing it out and like, can this please stop happening? Like she's having yeah, right. a moment. It's almost a meta moment within the movie simply going like, why are you guys even getting scared by this now? And then it actually happens and you're waiting to be just like not shocked. And it happens again. Again, it's just, it's so cool to watch. It's one of those great movies. Yeah. And again, it's so underrated in a lot of ways, but particularly because it's John Carpenter doing what he does best um, by reinventing the whole, by reinventing the bit itself. It's awesome. Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, there's just so many moments like that. Um, like when the body gets up, that one really jumps out at you this time. You're like, oh my God. So the body gets up, uh, walks towards her, but seemingly it's going to grab a knife. You're like, how does it mm-hmm. see the knife? Are the people in the fog controlling this body? He can't be alive, right? And then he writes three on the ground. You're like, that's just like a classic, oh, my God, right? Yeah. We have to sit there, and it feels like one of those wasted moments. The movie, 
if I had umbrage to take with the movie, it's that it has this lack of focus, right? Very much like a cloud of fog. It's just kind of expanding and adding faces. I feel yeah, like this there's a movie, lot of characters. You could everywhere. cut out. Yeah. Right. You spend a lot of time with characters that aren't adding anything to the narrative. It feels mm-hmm. like the only, cause it's like you need the. It's like the weird movie. You're like, you don't need the radio host. The radio host adds no, no. value to the movie. Right. It's In such a weird, a weird way. thing. Yeah, I don't understand. Like again, she's like she's one of the more iconic characters in the movie. But that's kind of the but thing she's, with the movie is that we're spending all this time, right? Like we do our scene where it's like Tom Atkins is gonna go like solve the mystery. We right. have the priest who's like, Oh god, I've uncovered a secret. That seems intriguing. We have a politician who wants to cover it up and sweep it under the rug, and then right. a bunch of others, right? Jamie Lee Curtis, you're like, her character's a wild card. Because she gets in the car and within five seconds decides they're fucking. Yeah. Right? So like you're like, wow, a lot's happening in this car. Was that just what it was like back then? Windows are exploding. That's enough foreplay. Let's go. <laughs> you know, a lot of casual drinking and driving. You're like, all right, she's weird enough. Like, I'll spend time here. Right. Like, I want to know what that wild card's going to do. That's about it. You know I mean, like, you know the one that was the weirdest that I didn't understand why they were like, it was like, well, we have... It was, well, we got Janet Lee. She's available. Do you want to just have her in the movie? Like, sure, I guess. It's like they wrote those scenes just for her. And again, it's one of those things yeah. where, like, she goes to, fa- I mean, she goes to Father Malone, I guess. And But all the stuff that happens with the priest, you could get without Janet Lee there. It's just added bonus. Right. That that's my point, scenes? right? It's like, yeah. it feels like they were trying to set up this dynamic, right? Because a lot right. of this movie is. Uh, the reality of what you think this town is, this thriving coastal community, is a right. lie. It's built on literally a you know pile of leprous bodies, right? <laughs> right. Um, so a way to attack that is have the guy who represents like the working fishermen, right, that make up the town, the lady who, through her own kind of chicanery, is you know manipulating the town to get power, just yeah. like the forefathers, and then the priest who's grappling with, I know the truth. Uh, but do I do anything about it and fuck up my setup? Right. And I think they have those pieces there. And it just that that's the issue I have with the fog at the end is they have this amazing backstory. They have these unbelievable fucking scares. The ghosts are brutal. And every time they're on camera, you're like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But it feels like we're just wasting. Like, there's that moment because well, I've just- forgotten how long this moment is. There, There's this part of the movie where we cut to the day after. And that yeah. struck me as really strange this time. Why cut to a whole nother day? Because my question is, what did we do in that day that we couldn't have found out when they're already barricaded in the church? You know what right. I mean? I mean, I again, it's it, it, I mean, I, to me, because I agree, but I mean, to me, it's almost like a symptom of the whole, like what we're talking about is to me, like there are four or five converging storylines that really like, like I think the thing we're used to seeing in movies like this is, and this might be on purpose is that these people find each other and they band together and so on and so forth. Like I think a lot about like something like the mist, you know, which Mm -hmm. is not the same thing at all, but you know, has a similar, like these people are banding together. Um, Yeah. But that never happens. Everyone is very like, like everyone is sort of like spread out and then yeah you get this weird thing at the end of the movie and i I agree with you 
but I feel like is it almost like a symptom of the movie itself, which is there's all these converging storylines, but they're not converging at all. They're just literally, it's like, there's no wind down into like them all coming together. It's literally just like Mm. all these stories just moving through and you're just sitting there and you're like, well, which one do you want to pay attention to? All right. Well, Well, in a weird way, I noticed myself tuning uh, out with like Janet Lee. Yeah. But I mean, I think to that point though, right. Is that it has this almost like Altman quality to it. Oh yeah. Where it's just like showing you like, here are all of these citizens. Right. And by spending a little time with a bunch of them, you get this, uh, you know, here is a slice of life in this. Like you can now know what it's like to live in this town. Right. Which is fine. I just, I don't think I need to know as much about the town is I want to know when these people are confronted with the, the horror that their town is based upon. Right. Right. I think the interesting element is what do you do to preserve what you have? Right. Is it worth preserving or does the tr- do you need to make amends? Right. Cause one of the storylines I found fascinating was the drunk father. Right. It was like, I'm, you know, he feels almost suicidal. Right. Like there's that really good scene at the end when they've, you know, paid their tribute and we think the curse is gone. Right. And he's just walking around his church and he's going, why not me? Why not me? And it feels like he's sitting there saying it would have been better if they had taken me with the golden cross and this and that. And so that guy and his guilt and substance abuse and this and that, I feel like is a really fascinating, you know, way to attack this story. Yeah. You know, because I mean, they the the ghost stuff and the scary stuff is perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say maybe for like the sunlight, the reason they did the next day, there is this element in the movie. There's a couple times I noticed it where they do a lot of ringing bells, uh, you know, horn blaring, like these repetitive sounds. Right. A lot of that. And they use that to cut between scene to scene. I think what it's supposed to do is very much like the fog, right? It's supposed to have this slow rolling effect. Like, Hey, this is still coming. You think you're past it, but it's still coming. Um, There's a lot of that with the sound and, you know, this and that. It just, I think that's the thing with the fog is that the backstory is brilliant and the cast is really good. And the fucking ghosts are tremendous. And it just felt like it felt like we could have dove in a little harder. Yeah, I would have actually, again, I, I wouldn't, have, I don't need to see the next day. I would have ended it, I would have ended it at night. Like, that's where it should end. Like, again, it's just, again, I, yeah, it's a weird thing to just, like, decide which stories I want to listen to. Like, like I was saying, I, I noticeably started tuning out when we got back to, like, Janet Lee, even the father, even father, like, even the priest, I was like, I don't. I feel like he served his purpose. Like I now know the backstory. There's not a whole lot that I know else I need to like know. Yeah. Which again, like you brought up a good point. I guess that would be, that would be a good, that would be a reason to glob onto him. But at the same time, I had a lot of trouble caring about anybody. Like I cared a lot about Adrian Barbeau's character just because she was like desperately trying to save her kid. And then obviously right. Jamie Lee right. Curtis and Tom Adkins, cause they're, you know, they're back in it and they're, they're saving just- the kid themselves. Doing weird stuff around Just town. Just yeah. doing weird shit around town, being hooligans, I guess. But And then I didn't give a shit about the town square stuff. I actually remember... I, Zero. I, honestly, I don't remember anything about it other than while I was watching here. I'm like, why are we cutting to the town square? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Like, It's like the least consequential portion. That, that's the weird thing, though, right? Is because this is where this movie's very different than The Mist. Is Once The Mist traps you, right. you're in it. 
right? Exactly. And now we get the it, that plays more as a zombie film where it's the people who are trapped inside are going to become the monsters. The right. outside ones are just there to push them over the edge, right? Totally. This one never gets to that, right? The characters aren't locked in place enough. They're actually moving around quite a lot. And yeah. the fog isn't really taking the whole town. No. So, But I, I thought the same thing. Like One of the things that I found weird that I wasn't really engaged in that much is them going to the ship to find out what happened to his buddies, right? Like right. When they're walking around the ship and they're like, oh, the deck's dry. You know, it got real cold. The instruments broke. For some reason, I didn't care about the investigation because no. we're cutting away to the priest telling us, oh, there's ghosts. So right. there, there is this like dual nature because the opening scene when we first see that, right? And they're like, hey, a fog bank's coming. And these sailors are like, fuck you. There's no fog. We're sailors. We know everything, right? Right. Oh, fuck. There's fog. <laughs> right? Like, I love that line. He's like, oh, there's fog. Oh, shit. Yeah. And you know it's going down. And when those men walk on deck, and they see the fucking mast of this old-timey sailor ship, right, in this glowing fog. Uh, the That moment of those men just being like, oh, fuck, we are caught in something bigger and scarier, right? This this is the full, like, kind of break from the reality they know moment. That scene is gold. And then yeah. they're ripped apart by brutal ghosts. And the scene that really is cool is when the guy's like, oh, man, the instruments are down. What's going on out there? And in the back, we just see this slow walking ghost coming up yeah and you know that that dude's about to get got that's the stuff the fog does and you're like fuck this is an all-timer as far as you know the horror elements i feel like that's the only thing that separates this movie out from the the rest of the john carpenter like the pinnacle carpenter right right they live the thing halloween the ones that people absolutely adore and come back to all the time Right. And this is the other thing, too. When we talked about Escape from New York, that was a similar thought we had mm -hmm. is that Snake Plissons pretty thin. Right. But that world and those characters, right, by doing the kind of mosaic there, you are really building New York out right. in a better way than I think they did in this film. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think in yeah, Escape from New York, New York plays a very particular character and it's very certain. But again, that's another thing like. I mean, like we just said in the mist, like once you're trapped in New York and escape from New York, you know, there's really no like these people all conceivably could just drive away. You know, I think that's like a big that was like that was something I thought about a lot. And I was like, well, there is some form of escape here. And it's just like everyone's trying to, like, fix a problem. But at the same time. Yeah, I think that trying to make what was it Antonio Bay, I believe making trying to make Antonio Bay work is kind of the task at hand and it doesn't really do it for me because again like when we were at the i just got major jaws vibes while we were like in the middle of that like weird celebration they had i'm just like i get it okay cool like you have a yeah. mayor who doesn't want to admit some fucked up shits going on so on and so forth but again like in Jaws, I identify with the people of Amity. Like, I'm sitting there like, well, oh, Let, let me ask you this, though, right? Because what I would argue about in Jaws is that we do very little in the town of Amity to, like, build that town out, right? I've seen that movie 20 times. Right. I don't know what their supermarket looks like, their town square, really, right? Like, you see some of this. You don't do a lot of time there. I would argue what Jaws does that is different than this is that the scene when Brody's at his house, right, you know, drinking and his son's miming him that is a moment where you're like oh this guy has a big stake in what's going on here 
Yeah. In this movie, the people we spend time with are a mom who bought a lighthouse and a radio station who's never with her child. Uh, we spend time with a guy who picks up a girl and they just start banging and don't know each other's names and are kind of bouncing around. And then a priest who drinks all the time. Right. So we never get a moment where you're like, why do you care what happens to this town? Let the ghost come and just fucking chop right. this whole thing well, down. You I know, mean, fill that whole beach with explosive driftwood. <laughs> like, who cares? Right. I mean, I think that's a big no part No one of... seems like they're really loving life there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it is, like, everyone seems to be trying to get out. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis is a great example of someone who she's literally, she spends half the movie talking about trying to get to Vancouver. I'm like, I don't know what's so great about Vancouver, but sure, whatever. But well, at it's this... not this town. <laughs> right. It's so much better than here. But, like... Again, yeah. Oh, wait, I lied. I did think of one guy who seems to really enjoy living here, and it's Mr. Fogg. Mr. Fogg really fucking child it. canoe murderer. <laughs> He's loving life. The thing that I noticed watching this is because, yeah, I thought, like, the mayor gave me Jaws vibes. But, again, like, I agree. Like, I don't necessarily associate Amity with being, like, oh, it's Jaws town. Like, what I associate yeah. with is the beach, so when I look at the beach, I'm like, oh, shit, that's fucking Jaws right there, man. Like, I think about that kind of thing. For the fog. Like, like the mom who smacked Sheriff Brody because she lost her kid, right? Right. What they do is they fill out these really personal attachments. Exactly. That then we feel like we know the town even though we never right, really exactly. know the like, town. To know the town is to know the people. And I think that's the thing that's kind of missing a little bit yes, from the that's fog. that's a great way to put it. Is yeah. missing a little bit from the fog is like, while I like to watch Adrian Barbeau's story, I don't, I'm not necessarily invested in anything else. So like learning other things about, I, I don't learn any personal information about people that I probably wouldn't have been able to glean from like, if you're walking through the town of Antonio Bay, you see a priest taking a swig off of a little, you know, taking a swig out of his uh, canteen. And then, you know, you have uh, Adrian Barbeau rushing to her lighthouse. Like, cool. I don't learn anything like necessarily deeply personal about these people that I probably couldn't figure out on my own. Like their motivations are simply to survive. I think that's the thing that sets it apart as being not quite the movie. Like I like the fog, but it's not quite the movie that it could be simply because it doesn't dive yeah. deep enough into these characters. Whereas like snake Plissken, Jack Burton, Wang, uh, I mean, you know, any like any but any of the other John uh, Laurie Strode, like any of the other John Carpenter movies we've watched within the lab between like between October <laughs> and uh, this month itself. I understand that there's more going on inside the brains of these characters than there is necessarily mm -hmm. uh, besides motivation to survive. There's more. To, there's more to their lives in this. For this movie, I feel like everyone just goes, oh, no. There is something bad going on. I must survive this so that I can yeah, survive it. And that's the thing. They they have the perfect character development tool, right? Right. So what you do is say you all live in this town and love this town, right? Right. This is why this town exists. How do you react to that? Do you care? Does it matter? Um, does that give you some empathy for these ghosts, right? Like, you know, anything like that. Right is a great way and i feel like really only the priest has that moment you know where he's kind of, and it's still it's just kind of like a brief monologue but that yeah. that is the character i kept coming back to i find the priest utterly fascinating 
And I kind of would have liked to pump that up a little more. I feel like but, if the priest had been I mean, a little more, the inve- like I would take the priest. I feel like you could take the priest and like Tom Adkins and almost merge the characters. Then you're giving that investigation element credence and a little more depth. I think like that would right. be the way I'd go with it. That's true. I don't know. Well, also he represents the spiritual faith person. You know, he's lost his faith. It seems mm-hmm. versus the kind of entrenched power of the town, right. you know, government. I feel like we're just leaving Again, characters yeah. in their lo- like we're leaving characters in their specific location just so we don't have to like, deal with the convergence of storylines like yeah i i think that i think the priest leaving and being like i think the priest doing all the investigating makes more sense to me than him just like right oh him like happening upon these weighty tomes of like horrible things that the town that the town has done but that's a question i wanted to ask you who threw that first stone did you stop and think about that uh, I did, but I don't know who I, I did, so but I don't know. He's sitting in did. his office. He excuses the guy he drinks mm-hmm. and a brick explodes out of the wall, which by the way is John Carpenter. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, it is John Carpenter. Yeah. And it reveals the, the journal, right? The, the keeper of secrets, right? So you're left with two things. Is this an act of God, right? Who's telling this man, Hey, Pay attention. Something is upon you. This man who's lost faith. We don't really come back to that in any kind of way. So I feel like that might be like just like some art house college thesis bullshit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I went to film school, so I just say God did it. (laughs) You know, so that could be wrong. Or is, uh, you know, Captain Leprosy the one who threw that first stone. He's like, bitch, I want my gold back. I mean, I think that's probably. I don't know why he needs gold. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'd go with, I'd say the latter for sure. Like, I would say it's definitely, it's like it's time. So now you're going to know, like, it's like, it's pointless for the fog and for these leper pirates to show up and fuck shit up without any sort of, like, the town not realizing it. Like, if it just happens, you're like, well, then it's just a ghost's. Then it's just mean, pissed off ghosts. If it happens and you know why, then there's like a reasoning for it. Then that gives characters motivation to fix it, so on and so forth. Like, there's yeah a reason for the you know Captain Leprosy to knock down <laughs> to knock the Book of Secrets down. Like, there's a reason for it, sure. right? There's well, not that's a reason kind of for my God theory to do it. too. Is because I feel like everything they do is wildly performative, right? Yes. Like, uh, you're already traveling in the ghost. You don't need the pirate whip, right? The pirate whip ship. You're just like, Woo, we're still sailing. Like, we can still turn the wheel. Oh, wait, it's fog. <laughs> you don't need that. But you do that so when the salty dogs see it, they go, hey, fuck, ah, we're dead. Er, whatever pirates sound, or pirates, sailors, I don't know. Sailors. I'm kind of getting a lot of these. These I'm working on impressions. It's fine. You're, uh, uh, I'm adding to my nautical terms are right? great. Yeah, my nautical terms, right? So these guys, uh, you know, just are filling the poop deck when they see this ship. They're like, oh, God, right? You knew I was going to do that one. It's fine. I, I did. I, so well that's done. a very performative thing for a ghost, you know, or fog ghost. The same way that the light is, right? The same way the knocking is. I feel, and I feel like that's why Carpenter made the choice to go with the kind of Altman slice of life cast. Right. Is so that it really is this this entity kind of is attacking the whole concept of this town, right? If it's one man having to grapple with the sins of the past, maybe that's not the same effect as 
here's just a whole town full of innocence, right? Like a mom who just moved here to do good and she's caught up in this town's bullshit, right? right? How much are we participating wherever we live without looking back and seeing? And so maybe that's that's the route that they were going, you know? Maybe I mean, it is yeah, a more I'm, effective way to do the film. I guess. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean I, I, it would make more sense to me. Again, like, I feel like character motivation should have been a little stronger to make me, like, Again, I care about the people of Amity. I At care least about one character. Yeah, I care about you know. I care about all these. I care about all the men in the uh, in the uh, at the station in the Antarctica. I want all of them to survive. They all can't, but I want them yeah. all to survive. You know, I think that's an important aspect that's missing from this movie. Is that I don't necessarily. I care that the little. I care that those kids that Mister Fogg has absconded with survive, and I care <laughs> that. I care that Andy survives. Were you were you wondering if Andy was an accomplice? Andy was the one bringing the kids out, oh, and fuck. then he's like, hey, "Just just don't canoe me. You can have Timmy and Jimmy and Becky and Mister Fogg's like, yes, <laughs> yes. Let me tell you ghost stories. He's just like sharpening his knife on a whetstone. Like, like I care about Adrian no, uh, Barbo. I care about Adrian I mean, Barbo right? and everything Andy. Everything we saw, everything we saw is so weird. We didn't yeah. see any like, oh, I'm really glad these people are a family and live here, right? Like the Spielberg scene, right? Even in E.T. where there's no dad, the mom's struggling to keep it together, but she brings home some pizza. The kids are being little dicks, but it's like a house that is lived in. You can tell there's a family unit that cares and tries here. Right. That scene, I think, would have helped us out way more than a sailor zombie writing a three on the floor. I mean, yeah, I, think I don't you know could, what that means, right? I feel like anything going on out in the like you could have had just the scene of the guys seeing the fog and then cut to the next day. And it probably would have had almost the same effect because then you could have right. then you could have instead of that scene, you could have shimmied in scenes where we actually start to care about Adrian Barbo's character being a single mom, basically, and having a live in nanny and all this other stuff. And then. You know, we spend a little more time with the priest and maybe the priest is a little more seeing seeing more things like, oh, there could be there's just there's some weird missed opportunities that I feel like a lot of characters in this yeah. movie are basically just there to move a plot forward rather than do anything else. <laughs> it's, well, weird. it's weird because I was like, that was something that struck me as a parent. I'm like, why is she working the night shift? Like you have a kid. Yeah, like, what is wrong with you? Recorded shit when no one's listening. Yeah. Come but on. Then You're I was the like, only oh, she person. probably does that. So she can have the daytime with her kid. But then you're like, that's a weird business model. Why don't we see you? Because all she really does is like, hey, don't bring me ghost explosive wood. Like, that's like the one mother parent scene. But that's that's what I'm it, to me. It's, it's one of those movies of the horror is so masterful in the setup mm-hmm. and the premise is so good. And the actors all do fantastic job with their characters. That right. The fact that it's not this taut streamline doesn't matter. And I think the the scene that really sold me on that is at the end, they start this, oh, he's going for the six founders. And I'm like, who the fuck are those guys? Like, I don't know yeah. six founders. Like, have they already I, gotten five? And then they go, do this? oh, well, yeah, my priest grandpa, uh, which is weird. I was like, wait, is he a Catholic priest? He has kids and a grandpa. All right, never mind. I was like, throw that out. And he's like, he stole all the gold. And I'm like, if he stole the gold, what did they build the fucking city with? Okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, Captain Leprosy gets his fucking gold and everything's glowing. And I thought he was going to get, you know, Ark of the Covenant, <laughs> I don't know, but he gets saved. Right. And then he's right. and I was like, wow. So they really just saved the town by giving them 
a source of gold, ill-gotten gold that he literally didn't even know existed. <laughs> right? So nothing lost, nothing gained. It's just a square deal, right? You lost a weatherman and an old yeah. lady. Well, it's and like a couple one of the salty dogs. Well, right? yeah, it's one of those but things then, where. But then, because you're like, that seems like a fucking weak ending. When the fog starts rolling again and the fucking captain just slices that bitch and it cuts to black, I was like, that is one of my favorite movie endings. Yes. Because it I lets think... you know that the original sin will never be erased. Right. Which is, I mean, again, that is what makes it a great horror movie. That's what makes it a great horror bit in general is that it doesn't matter if you make things right momentarily. Like, that, it's so yeah. far beyond, like, oh, hey, sorry about that. Like, I think that's the thing I like the most yeah. is, like, ghosts particularly and this sort of vengeance that they're after in this movie is not one of those things that can just be remedied by, like you were saying, like, what, do, what the fuck do ghosts need gold for? Here's a great example. They yeah. don't need gold. They need fucking vengeance. They want they want to wipe yeah, this town just clean. Just so that man. your bitch ass doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But that's what I mean though, right? And this maybe kind of helps solidify Carpenter's theory of the movie is by showing the ghost just coming back after amends were made. He is yeah. saying it doesn't matter about one character's journey. This totally. town and this place, this country, this world will always have these ghosts roaming. Right, right. Which so is, it is just this, you know, it could be any of us. Right, which is why this movie particularly works, just because it has these yeah. like sort of disparate storylines that don't really converge at any point, and you're not necessarily motivated to root for certain characters. That ending, and like you were saying, like just in general, the foreboding nature. Well, you're rooting of, for the ghost, aren't you? Right. This well, is like, a that's root what for the is. ghost movie. <laughs> I mean, the foreboding nature of the story in general is what you're like. It's what you're after in this movie. I think that's the thing that I yeah. like after we were done watching it, after I was done watching it, I was like, yeah, like all the things we've already said where I was like, I'm not really into necessarily like the character development or that kind of thing. But that's not really why I'm here watching this movie. What I'm here to watch this movie for is what is John Carpenter's take on the nature of vengeance and the need for vengeance and why it must last as long as it does. This is old vengeance. This is an unhealed wound much like leprosy so why yeah. in general would <laughs> i care well because that's the whole point of the movie the whole point Medical of the movie stuff. is that it yeah. doesn't heal yeah no and i think that's the thing too is that the way that the ghosts operate is that it is slow moving vengeance right we will stalk you do performative stuff but when we get you you're gonna get ripped the fuck apart right. so it is that just slow like all right get in your car we'll come we'll, we'll come after you right in much the way michael myers walks right these guys are even slower they're like we'll be here we've been here always we're still coming back it doesn't matter yes. every time there's a fog the dead men from the sea will walk right and i i i really latched on this time to that slow moving nature right there's no we have to get our gold back by the time the third moon circles the you know, or else it's over. Like, there's none of that kind of shit that a lot of movies, you know, add in it for like a ticking clock. They're just like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, it's just fog and they're just here and it doesn't yeah. matter. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. loosely tied to a hundred year anniversary. Doesn't matter. They're just here to at the end of the movie tells you everything you need to know. Whatever you do, yeah. they're going to float back in under your door and fucking chop your head off. Totally. And it's amazing. And that to me is the thing you've nailed too is 
the atmosphere, right? The drip of this film that is just so soaked and saturated and feels moist. You always feel like you're in a cloud where these things are just going to appear. Right. And it's so worth it. It's just so worth it. That's why you do this movie. Agreed. The horror is I, masterful. I am truly sad it took me this long to see The Fog. But I'm glad I watched it now because it is wonderful yeah. in its own it's very not unique about John Carpentery way. There you go. It's not about when. And now we know we can write a uh, tribute sequel, Mr. Fog, uh, with old JC's blessing. We'll do that for you. No big deal. No big deal. You can check our resumes. They're zero. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it for the fog i hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did i hope you're enjoying uh, our john carpenter month you guys the listeners are actually the ones that chose the fog for us to cover uh so thank you guys as well as always please take a second and leave the show a rating and review wherever you find us uh go subscribe to our youtube channel nerd alchemist that's plural with an s at the end you can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com with uh, thoughts, ideas, comments, movies you want to hear us talk about, new, old, double features, themes, guests, anything, uh, get at us, guys. We're on all the social media you're on. Uh, you can also connect with us that way. We have one more John Carpenter joint. Uh, another one that the fa- that you guys, the listeners, were really pulling for. So we decided we do both. Christine. Um or as I think it might be called, if you take it from Arnie's point of view, it could be John Ford Wick. <laughs> Little puns for you. That's it. <laughs> All right. Alex has had enough. Uh, he's got to go insult me some more. So we're going to get out of here. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Tank top. Hey, Alex. Fuck you. Tank top. <laughs> Cock.